If you want to approach your birth feeling cool, calm and confident, then you are in the right place. Welcome to Hypno What. I'm your host Claire, a doula and hypnobirthing teacher from Edinburgh and I'm here to help you look forward to birth. So let's get going. Pregnant pals and fellow birth geeks, welcome to the Hypno What podcast. Today, you are joining me for a much requested episode that I've really been meaning to do for a long time. So, I am sorry if you've been waiting on this since Christmas. This episode is going to be discussing how to prepare for chest or breastfeeding your baby. And we are going to be mostly discussing actually what normal newborn behaviour looks like for babies who are not bottle fed. And this is something that I really think is super important to understand before your baby arrives. Because with the UK's breastfeeding rates being amongst the lowest in the world, very few of us actually know what that looks like and what to expect. And that also goes for our support network. So yeah, I think this is a really important thing to understand. Now, I want to start with a story here. Because like when we talk about birth, stories are powerful. But a lot of the stories that people hear aren't nice ones. It's generally the dramatic ones that are entertaining to tell, that are going to garner a strong response. And like we talked about before with birth... If you have a connection to someone, their story is far more likely to stick with you. So, I thought that starting very briefly with my story might be good because A, it's a positive one, and B, you might already feel like you've got a bit of a connection with me if you've been listening to the podcast for a while. So, I hope this helps you. I'm sure that most of you have probably heard that breastfeeding is painful, difficult, a nightmare to get started, a total faff when you're out and about, you don't know how much baby is eating, which is confusing, and generally bottle feeding with formula is much easier and much more convenient. For me, none of that was true. I'm not saying that breastfeeding my daughter wasn't without its challenges. It definitely was really hard work But for me, it was a real labour of love. I I generally found it quite straightforward. Clemmy fed really quickly after birth. Like, I remember being so surprised by how quickly she just latched on and fed. And we never really had any issues with her latch or anything like that. And yes, it was bloody relentless in the early days. But that was pretty much it. Like... She fed non-stop sometimes, but I had expected that, and so I just didn't do anything. I think that is what made it feel like less of a hardship, I guess, because I knew it was all normal. Um, Feeding her to sleep was also very, very normal for us, uh, and she fed for comfort regularly as well. Neither of these things is making a rod for your own back, by the way. Neither of those things is going to impact on whether or not you get a sleeper. If feeding works as a tool for you to get your baby more sleep, and therefore you more sleep, personally, I think 
it should be illegal to not use that tool. You got to use what you got, use what gets you the most sleep and the best experience. The toughest time for me with feeding was probably when Clementine was about five months old and she refused to take a bottle. If you have been through that, a bottle refusing baby, credit to you because it's bloody hard. I was pretty much tied to her. I couldn't be away for more than a couple of hours and every single bedtime was on me. I also missed my best friend's hen weekend in Barcelona, which was very sad at the time. But would I change any of it? No, I wouldn't. Um, and we got through it, you know. And honestly, I really I really did love it. I, it worked really well for us. And do you know what I think the hardest part of breastfeeding her for for me was? It was the people. It was the people who said things like, oh, why are you bothering? Just use formula. Or when she wasn't taking a bottle, I'd just leave her. She'll have a bottle if she's actually hungry. And all the other unsolicited gems and ignorant advice that I received, it's just not helpful. Like that for me was definitely the hardest part. Thankfully, I had learned heaps in pregnancy and was also just really confident in myself. So I was able to tune a lot of those people out. And But I have seen remarks like that really dent people's confidence. And I think that that confidence denting it has a larger impact on someone's chest or breastfeeding journey than you could ever imagine. So yeah, let, let that stick in your mind if you're going to start passing comment on how people are feeding their babies. So let's start today by talking about what's in your milk. So human milk is made up of water, fat, white blood cells, stem cells, amino acids, 40 odd different enzymes, viral fragments, immunoglobulins, growth factors, oligosaccharides, hormones, vitamins, minerals, antibodies, all that and heaps more. The ingredients of breast milk are countless and we still don't know the function for a lot of these elements. Does that mean that they don't have a job? No, it means that it's 2023, my God, 2023, and we still don't fully understand exactly why our body produces this incredibly complex liquid for our babies. It's a little bit magic. It was actually only a couple of years ago that the oligosaccharides that are present in human milk, so these are different kinds of sugars, those don't actually feed baby, or rather, they don't provide baby with energy. What they do is they are feeding the bacteria in baby's gut, helping to boost their good bacteria and therefore their gut microbiome, which is just amazing. Um, the milk that you produce in the first few days is quite different to what you would think of as milk. It's called colostrum. It's thick, it's sweet. It can be disconcertingly very yellow and it's jam-packed with antibodies and white blood cells which help to protect your baby and give their immune system a big welcome to the world boost. Um, and your milk changes to what you would recognise as milk about three to five days after birth and you'll know when it's in because you will more than likely wake with enormous veiny leaky rock hard boulders on your chest and I strongly encourage you to take a picture 
because there really is nothing like it. And this milk change usually comes with an absolute cocktail of hormones as well. So it's very normal to have some days where you feel really weepy, have a lot of big emotions, a real lack of patience, maybe even a good bit of rage. Or you might not notice a change in how you feel at all. As with everything that we learned about birth, the reason that I think it's important to know about this possibility is so that you you can recognise that these changes are normal and just be a bit kinder to yourself and not think that you're a problem or you're doing something wrong. So your milk will tend to fluctuate a little uh, in the first few weeks. It's not considered to be fully mature until around four to six weeks. And it's at that point that the balance of water, protein, carbohydrate and fat will all kind of level out and then stay fairly consistent for the rest of your feeding journey. And for me, the most fascinating thing about breast milk is its ever-changing composition, varying depending on what baby needs and your nursing environment. So mind-blowing fact number one, in warmer weather, your body will increase the water content in your milk to make it more hydrating for your baby. So this can mean that on hot days, your baby will feed more. Totally normal. Do not listen. If Auntie Sandra is giving it, you can't possibly be feeding that baby again. As if she isn't on her third glass of rosé wine in the space of two hours. Your baby will need more of your milk for hydration. Your thirst-quenching milk is perfect for that. There's no need to supplement breastfed babies with water. As your milk has a higher water content in hot weather, naturally it has a lower fat content, so that means less calories. And that's another reason that babies will need to feed more because they'll need to consume more of this milk to be able to sustain themselves. So don't worry about babies feeding a lot in hot weather. Um, I actually last summer saw a really good tip of putting a a damp muslin cloth between you and your baby when you're feeding them. You know, when it's really hot and sweaty and it's like hot skin on hot skin. It doesn't feel good. So yeah, I saw that was like an Instagram hack. Um, so yeah, try that in the summer if you need to or if you're heading off on holiday. Mind-blowing fact number two, your baby's saliva and your nipple tissue actually kind of talk to each other. So if your baby is unwell, when they feed, it lets your body know. And then when they come to you for their next again feed, your body will have made specific antibodies for them, packed it into the milk to help give them their immune system a little boost. Sounds absolutely crazy, but it's an actual thing. Um, And one of the reasons that chest and breastfeeding are so beneficial for your baby's immune systems. Just amazing. So how do you get started with this breastfeeding, chest feeding malarkey? Well, the NHS guidelines in most trusts in the UK suggest encouraging parents to initiate chest or breastfeeding for baby's first feed. And feeding soon after birth can actually help your body to birth the placenta. So the nipple stimulation of baby feeding, along with their little hands pawing at your chest as they feed, that causes the release of oxytocin, which as in labour, stimulates the uterus in creating those final contractions to 
help detach the placenta and push it out. And the good news is that this big jelly dinner plate placenta usually just feels a bit strange after pushing out a baby. It shouldn't be anywhere near as challenging on your body, so don't worry about having a a second labour and birth. Um, There are a few things from labour and birth that can affect baby's first feed. Uh, Certain pain relief in labour can make baby sleepy. And remember, although it feels like you're doing all the work, birth is also a real workout for baby as well. So just the act of going through labour and birth can make them tired. If you have an instrumental delivery, so that would be forceps or a Vontu suction cup, it might also be that baby's face is a little bit sore, so it can be uncomfortable for them to feed. Forceps can sometimes make baby's faces a little bit lopsided in the first few days as well, so their latch might not be great, and it can be difficult for them to create the vacuum required for effective feeding. But knowing this can allow you to address those things and ask for extra help. Um, Skin to skin is not only a lovely cuddle, but it's really great for encouraging your baby to feed, even if they are sleepy, because they can smell your milk. And also stripping baby down, that initial drop in temperature can help to waken them up a little bit too. And having your babe on you skin to skin with a blanket on top of you is really good for keeping them cosy and calm. Being close to you is very regulating for your little one. And this might be a tool that you can back to months, even years down the line. It's not just something for the newborn days. And being skin to skin also allows you to watch closely for feeding cues as well, which I'm going to come on to in a minute. And getting to know your baby's unique system of signals for communicating with you you know the closer the closer you have them to you the more you'll be able to pay attention to their behavior and I want to just touch on just now as well feeding from you takes a lot of energy and effort from baby and they're just learning this new skill as well. So patience is really essential at the beginning. Well, actually, patience is essential all through your chest or breastfeeding journey. But yeah, in the beginning, don't be afraid to take them off and start again if you don't think they're on properly. If baby is a little bit sore as well, if you think that's maybe part of the, the issue in the beginning, you can try feeding them express milk with either a cup or a syringe. Um introduce if you plan to exclusively chest or breastfeed then introducing a bottle for baby's feeds isn't really recommended in the early days and weeks because young babies can very quickly develop a bottle preference and it can be quite difficult to get them back onto the breast so chest and breastfeeding like i just said is harder work for babies than bottle feeding it requires the activation of lots of different muscles in their face, neck and jaw and they have to work really hard at the beginning of a feed to tell your breast to release milk and this is obviously when they are most hungry so it's easy to see why they might quickly prefer the easy and instant release of milk that a bottle provides. I don't know if you can hear him but my little dog has been such a pest today. He normally just sits next to me, quite the thing while I'm recording, but today he's just crying and bashing my elbow. Oh, I've sent him to his bed with a treat, so, you know, 
just re- just reward that annoying behavior so we'll see how that goes anyway i mentioned feeding cues just a minute ago so what is a feeding cue well believe it or not crying for food is actually the final cue there are loads to watch for before it gets to this desperate stage so early cues would maybe be baby just moving their head from side to side if they're on your chest or your partner's chest they'll maybe root around looking for a nipple they might smack their lips or start sticking their little tongues out and next level of indications might be things like stretching bringing their hands to their mouths they might begin to thrash around maybe make a few wee moans and then then they will start to turn red and shout and scream and say hey I'm hungry why aren't you feeding me and now I bet those early cues you probably just think of as normal baby behavior which they absolutely are People quite often don't associate those cues with feeding because they might think that baby can't be hungry again because they've only just fed. But um, breast and chest fed babies feed a lot. They feed a lot, a lot, a lot. (laughs) And it's really important to know that. And also to know that you can't overfeed uh, a breast fed baby. Babies go to your chest for multiple reasons, not just for food. One of the reasons is that they are designed to feed often is because it tells your body to make milk. So milk production works on supply and demand. Milk has to be removed from your body in order for more milk to be made. And sucking is also an instinctive behaviour. It brings them so much comfort. It can really soothe them, helps them to feel close to you, helps them to sleep. Hence why dummies were invented. You've maybe heard people say, that baby is using you as a dummy. Well, actually, no. That baby is using a dummy like a nipple. Dummies mimic nipples, not the other way around. Now, I want to talk now about something called responsive feeding, which is the term bandied around now for how people should be feeding babies. And it's going to sound a bit like common sense to you. So... This is what is suggested (coughs) as best practice for feeding babies. But what, what is responsive feeding? So it's basically just feeding your baby based on their hunger cues as opposed to on a time schedule, which is what has been recommended up until about a decade or so ago. And it's funny because it just sounds like common sense, doesn't it? And I just think it's so strange that we have to reintroduce the idea of just paying attention to what your baby is telling you. But that's because for decades and decades, parents have been told that somebody else knows what's best for their baby. Um, and this time schedule feeding being the norm until so recently is, is part of the reason that as a society, we just have so little understanding about what is normal for a small baby when it comes to feeding. So... During and just after the Second World War, formula feeding became the norm and was subsidised by the government because as a country, we needed young women to work, which they couldn't do if they were at home feeding their babies. So in the space of a few generations, bottle feeding with formula was what became the norm and societal knowledge of breastfeeding 
just from seeing people doing it and hearing stories, that's been massively reduced. And it's because of that, that as a society, we generally don't have much understanding of what a normal breastfeeding experience looks like. Feeding often and for long periods of time is very, very normal. You might have heard this described as cluster feeding before, and I'm going to come on to that in a second. But responsive feeding, to put it simply, is essentially just bringing your baby to feed whenever you think they might need it. But also, whenever you might need it, responding to your own body's cues as well. If your chest feels swollen and full, that's just as much of a cue to feed as your baby's cry for milk. Um, so yeah, let's talk about cluster feeding. Now, cluster feeding can be lots of short feeds over the space of an hour or two or more, or it might be that baby is just constantly feeding on you for long periods of time with no break in between. Both of these are absolutely normal variations of cluster feeding. And yes, it can be really frustrating and really challenging and, and really just bloody boring as well, but it has a function and it's quite common for this period to be in the evening. You might have heard people talk about the witching hour. But cluster, cluster feeding uh, can happen at any time of the day. And babies cluster feed for a few different reasons. Like in the early days, it's to encourage your milk to come in. It's your baby's way of telling your body, hey, I'm here, I'm growing. I'm going to be needing more of this good stuff soon. Uh, they might also do it right before a growth spurt for extra energy and calories or they might do it during a developmental leap when they're feeling a little bit unsettled and needing more comfort. Like I said before, feeding your baby for comfort is absolutely fine to do. You are not spoiling them and they are not manipulating you. Um, I think this is maybe a good point as well to talk about just how milk supply works because cluster feeding plays a role in that. So I said earlier that milk production works on supply and demand. So milk has got to go out in order for more milk to come in. And cluster feeding is our body and our babies working together to make sure that your milk supply is established and plentiful for that baby. However, because a lot of people are often unaware of cluster feeding before it happens to them, the experience can make them doubt their abilities and to lose confidence in chest feeding or breastfeeding. Not to mention the fact that a fussy baby feeding non-stop can just be emotionally and physically draining. And it can be at this point that people may sometimes introduce a bottle and just, just to see what happens. Now, babies have a natural reflex to suck. If something is in their mouths, they will suck on it, regardless of whether or not they are hungry and regardless of whether or not it is a nipple. So what happens is at this point is that baby will likely take the bottle that is offered to them and drain the milk because they do so instinctively, not necessarily because they need the milk. They are then overstuffed, full to the brim with milk and think about how you feel when you're totally stuffed like after Christmas dinner how do you feel you feel like you need a really good nap so they fall asleep and because they're super stuffed they sleep for a good few hours maybe they miss the window for when you're next expecting them to feed 
And what this can do is realise a fear that many people have, and that is that their milk is not enough for their babies, or that their babies don't like their milk. And emotionally, this can just make you feel like you're not doing a good job, that the effort of chest feeding, breastfeeding is wasted because your baby prefers to have a bottle. Now, let's think about the physiology behind what's happened here. Baby has had a big feed, but not from you. And so that's milk that your body doesn't know that your baby has eaten. And therefore a feed that your body doesn't know to produce. So introducing that bottle feed can actually end up reducing your milk supply by telling your body that your baby needs less milk. And this is sometimes referred to as the, the top-up trap. And it's not to say that there aren't ways to introduce a bottle and to be skip, to skip feeds like that and to, to hand off a feed to a partner. There are ways that you can do that. Definitely something that we can look at in another episode. But it's just something to be aware of. Um, if your baby is producing plenty of dirty nappies, so we're looking at around six per day that should feel heavy with liquid and usually three or four dirty ones to begin with as well so we're talking about 10 10 nappy changes 10 plus nappy changes a day for a newborn baby if you're getting those dirty dirty and wet nappies then your baby is getting enough milk and it's it's worth mentioning here actually as well that after a few weeks, it's really normal for breastfed babies not to poo as much as formula-fed babies. You might actually go a few days in between dirty nappies, and that's because human milk is very, very easy for our babies to digest, and they can break it right down and have very little waste left behind. So it is normal, I think it's usually around the six-week mark, to see a big reduction in um, poo nappies. So let's talk about a cluster feed plan. I would highly recommend making yourselves a little caddy of essentials and treats that you can have in the place that you normally feed your baby. Pack it with anything you might need for when you're trapped underneath that feeding baby. Pack it with muslins, wipes, breast pads, uh, maybe paracetamol, a little known fact, feeding will make you unbelievably thirsty. So a huge bottle of water in there too is also important. Um, magazines, a book, uh, your phone, a long phone charging cable, also very important. You don't want to be stuck underneath your baby and not be able to text your pals. And you'll also be burning around 500 calories extra per day, Um breast or chest feeding your baby so snacks are really good to have in there as well make sure you've got some you know like I don't know granola bars some some snacks like that but your favorite biscuits and chocolate also essential and have a list of entertainment for yourselves like whether that's on your phone or just like a mental list but maybe there's a few series that you can save up to watch on your cluster feed afternoons podcasts that you want to listen to, audiobooks, maybe a friend who's been through it all before, can you lock them in to have a chat when you might need support if you've just been having that baby on you all day, all night, um, maybe you want to spend an hour on the phone to them and they can just, you know, 
talk to you about their experience, you know, maybe they've got some tips from when they went through it, maybe they are just very good at listening when you need a vent. But also, please remember that you can say no to any visitors at this time. If you're expecting to have your baby on the boot for the next two, two and a half hours, the last thing you maybe want is your brother-in-law coming round when you just want to be baps out watching The Crown. <laughs> that was my Netflix binge when Clementine was ravaging my poor nipples. <laughs> um, on that note, actually, let's talk about pain because, again, that's something that people really worry about. And not without good reason, you know. Pain is a really common reason for people to stop feeding. And it's really important to know that feeding shouldn't be painful. You should never feel like you have to grit your teeth through each feed. That is not normal. And it's likely an issue with baby's latch or maybe a tongue tie, but there's definitely something going wrong there. If you are feeling that way, get straight on the phone to somebody for support. In fact, if you're pregnant at the moment, after you finish listening to this episode, I want you to have a quick Google for your local support groups, screenshot the date details, save them to an album um, so that you can find them later if you need them. Um, and of course there there will be there may be some initial discomfort while you're working out posi- positioning and latch as well as it just being a new sensation you know the majority of us don't have somebody sucking on our nipples multiple times a day. but if the discomfort is severe, that is absolutely not normal and not something that you should just, work through. You should could maybe try something like nipple shields, different feed positions, different ways of bringing your baby to your chest. Your care team in the hospital should be able to help you with this and be able to, to suggest different positions, as well as the community midwives who see you at home, they should be able to help. If you're not getting the support you need there, a local lactation consultant might be your next step, but please don't just try and work through it because it's not normal. Nipple pain is very common, but don't mistake common for normal. It does not have to be agonising. There are lots of different things to try, so please do seek support. And it's just support in general, you know, it's so important to make sure that you will be supported with feeding, especially in the early days when you're not only trying to work everything out, but your body's also recovering from birth. You know, it's a, a Dr. Amy Brown, she's got a stat that's something like 80% of people who stop breastfeeding in the first six weeks don't want to, but they feel like they have no other choice. I really hope that is nobody listening to this episode. Um, I really recommend making a postnatal plan with your partner If you're planning to breastfeed, that will probably sit front and centre of this plan and you can then work things outwards from there. If you need to push visitors back arriving on the day, then do it. If you need a day to yourselves to get your heads around feeding, then cancel your visitors and do it. There are no prizes for having had all your friends meet the baby by the time they're two weeks old. There are no prizes for dragging yourself out on a walk or to do a big shop on day six or whatever else. The most important thing is that you and your baby are set up for a successful postnatal experience together 
successful feeding journey together and your loved ones will absolutely appreciate that and want to support you in that. Um, I would also suggest having a little list of support handy so that if it feels hard you can look at that list and think about whose help it is you need. You know that list doesn't just need to be your your local breast breastfeeding support line or anything like that. That could just that could be a list of people that have done it before. And even if it's people you haven't spoken to for a while, I guarantee you that they would they would want to help you because if it's a you know if it's a friend of yours from a while ago and you know that they breastfed, chest fed their baby, I I think they would want to have a chat with you. If you were feeling low, if you were feeling stressed about it, I think they would want to help you because we all if you've been through it, you know what it's like to sit in your bed trying to feed your baby thinking I am not doing this well this is a disaster I need help so yeah definitely reach out for some kind words from a friend to get you through the night or maybe it is a lactation consultant that you want to reach out to because you're worried that something is wrong Um, but don't power through on your own please please Find someone you trust to ask for help because they will want to help you. Right, I I think I'm going to leave it there today, folks. I really hope that that has been helpful. I do have a chunk of notes here on colostrum harvesting, but I think I'm going to do that as a separate episode for you as we're already looking pretty lengthy for today, over half an hour for this one. So thank you so much for tuning in as always uh, please do fire me any questions you might have if I don't know the answer I might be able to signpost you to someone who will and I also just want to let you know about a freebie workshop that I'm hosting next Monday it's a mini version of my birth plan session where I take you through the ins and outs of writing and researching your birth plan If you want to join me, then you can get a ticket by heading to www.birthingparentsclub.com forward slash shop or you will find a direct link to get a ticket in the show notes. Like I said, it's free and it's a live class with me so there will be plenty of space to ask questions and have a bit of a chat about different things if you want to. Hope to see some of you there and have a fab weekend folks. Bye! Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Hypno Walk podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure you don't miss an episode. And you can find out more about what I'm up to by heading to birthingparentsclub.com. See you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.